Hi again, uh, and welcome to Keep Calm and Defibrillate. Uh, this episode is part two of I Can't Get No Satisfaction. Uh, Rex and I talked in part one about patient satisfaction as a concept and about patient satisfaction surveys, which are performed to see how people felt about the care that we provided and how they were treated. In this episode, we'll discuss how we can get people to feel better about us and about our care and why that matters. Stay tuned. I can't get no satisfaction. This may be what disgruntled patients feel when they've had a bad experience in the course of a healthcare visit. In part one of this, Dave and I talked about how patients' recollections are what they base their feelings on. Sure, it matters whether or not the diagnosis was correct, the testing or or interventions were appropriate, and whether the outcome was positive. But as important in the patient mind is whether they thought they were listened to, respected, fully informed, and that their sensibilities were taken into account. If the healthcare team connected with them as people, seemed concerned, and genuinely were trying to do the right thing for them, patients and their significant others afterward feel that the team which cared for them is of the highest quality. Yeah, and you know, there's just a ton of evidence to show that good patient satisfaction surveys lead to quality improvement as well from a standpoint of people are, when they feel heard and they feel cared for, they actually listen and do the treatments that the provider recommends. And certainly there's just a ton of statistics out there that the outcomes are much better when people have a higher uh, estimation of the care they received. As in any case, when you're attempting to achieve excellence, knowing how you're doing is critical to your progress towards a goal. And let's be frank, we are trying to achieve a level of excellence. We are trying to improve. But you can't please everybody is a common phrase, but we aim to please a higher percentage than we did last week. Hopefully we'll be doing a little bit better in another six to eight months. You please people by doing really simple things. It's, it's not really rocket science. This isn't some arcane or occult lessons only obtained from uh, lofty professors or mystics or gurus, even though I know you go for those wrecks. This stuff, as one book said, the, the stuff that you're, you're able to do should have been learned in kindergarten. I mean, number one, be nice to people. Number two, be respectful. Three, share. And if the person acts mean to you, absolutely stun them and and, and and react by being nice to them. And one of the things I always mention is you don't get a second chance to make a first impression. Everyone's heard this. Uh, this was actually a an ad slogan uh, first used in the 1960s for a men's suit company. And uh, later, it was more uh, frequently heard in a dandruff shampoo commercials. Uh, but it's true uh, in healthcare, especially in emergency medicine and, and in urgent care, where the people don't know who the caregivers are when they come in. We meet people when their senses are heightened 
and they're in stressful situations. And these are the circumstances where memories are most strongly formed. I commonly will ask people, where were you on September 11, 2001? And everyone has very distinct memories of this because it was a very stressful uh, circumstance. And such circumstances make memories more indelibly imprinted in your hypothalamus. The first feelings people have about us are often indelibly imprinted. And I like to point out that people are dead certain about two things. They're number one, certain that they're great drivers, which they usually aren't. And they feel that they're excellent judges of character. And they commonly feel that you can size someone up quickly on first meeting based on a lot of subtle clues and signs and whether the person meets certain expectations early on. Uh, you will be judged as competent, caring, or knowledgeable. And you, they decide whether you, you deserve their respect. Once they make up their mind, they don't like to change it. There's an inertia there. And how long does it take to make this first impression? Well, oftentimes somewhere between 20 and 40 seconds. What's the bad news? Well, you can start out poorly and then you have to pour a lot of effort into changing the person's perception of you, something they don't want to do. But what's the good news? We only have to really look good for about a minute. If you start out well, that same inertia not to alter their decision will keep the person believing in you even if you make mistakes later. In visits to emergency departments and urgent cares, uh, the initial part of the encounter is essential to make that first impression, and that sets the tone for the whole visit. Oftentimes, the first people they meet are not the providers. They are people in the out front office, the triage people, and it is important that they make a good impression so that the team is perceived as competent, knowledgeable, and kind. During the visit, then it's very important that they be rechecked and advised about what's going on. At the time of discharge, this is the final opportunity you have to make that good impression, and it's crucial that you explain things clearly, that you answer their questions, and uh, that you basically make them understand that you are happy that they came in. It gives a good impression to the patient and helps you not only improve the personal satisfaction, uh, patient satisfaction scores, but it also improves your inner feelings about what it is we do, and it decreases negative tendencies, which can lead to compassion, fatigue, and burnout. As Dave has long since summarized uh, this when he's explaining it to team members. You kiss the person when they come in, you kiss them before they leave, and you hug them every 20 minutes in between. Yeah, so let's, let's talk about some specific things that you can do to, to actually uh, improve patient satisfaction. There's, there's some simple things. I mean, Studer Management teaches ADET. Uh, you acknowledge somebody by using their 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 preference of their name and it's it's good if you can find out do they prefer to be Mr. Jones or Joe or uh, whatever they want is how you ought to acknowledge them and you enter, introduce yourselves and and specifics here can help hi i'm dr berkland uh, i'm i'm a board certified emergency physician with 39 years of experience uh, then you give them some duration of 
of whatever it is you're doing. I mean, if you're an x-ray tech, how long is it going to take to take the x-rays? Uh, if you're a nurse checking them in, I'm going to be getting you know, your, your basic history, doing your vital signs, and this will take about 15 minutes. Then explain things. Uh, explain tests. Uh, explain um, what's going to be done about their pain uh, or their fracture uh, and, 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 and what is going to be next. Give them an idea of what's ahead of them here. And then thank them at the end. I mean, it's kind of a, a routine thing that, that we do in our lives, but we don't really appreciate the fact that patients are giving us a job. Other things that, that I, I think are just not well enough done. The power of a smile. Infants recognize it at age three months that they can inspire smiles in people around them. And people can recognize a smile from 300 feet away. And, and smiles generate all kinds of positive emotions. I mean, it, it's been clinically proven that they help with reducing stress hormones like cortisol and releasing uh, mood-enhancing hormones like endorphins and oxytocin and lowering blood pressure. Smiles have been shown to reduce the overall experience of pain by, by increasing those, uh, those endogenous opioids. It, it's been throughout religious history and, and basically most religions, I mean, Christianity and, and in um, uh, Judaism, the book of Proverbs says that a friendly smile makes you happy. And Islam, apparently Muhammad taught, taught his followers, your smile for your brother is a charity. And think about the Buddha statue. I mean, the Buddha's always got a smile on his face. There, there's some fascinating evidence about about smiles and longevity. They did uh, studies of player baseball cards, and the genuine nature of their smile predicted their longevity. Uh, people with just kind of a small smile lived 72.9 years, and people with a bigger smile lived 75 years. And the guys with the really, truly Duchenne smile, the, the, the truly real smile, they lived almost 80 years. So, I mean, smile, you live longer. Uh, and then finally, touch. The power of touch is just unbelievable. I mean, there are studies where I, I remember back in the 70s, and a lot of the people listening to this are going to have no clue that the phone booths, you actually used to put money in. Uh, and they did studies where where they put uh, a quarter in the in, in the thing, the, the return uh, thing that where you could basically, you, you would open it up and, the, and your coin would come back down there. So there'd be 25 cents in there. And then they would walk up to somebody as they got the 25 cents and they, they would say to them, hey, I, you know, hey, I, I left that uh, quarter in there and, and I'm really shortchanged. Then the next time they would say the exact same thing and they would lightly touch the individual on the arm. And it was like three or four times higher incidence that the, the, that the individual would give that coin back. I mean, touch is incredibly powerful, uh, and it bonds people together. And there's, there's a ton of other research. It probably is a podcast in and of itself. But, um, Rex? Well, unfortunately, in COVID-19, uh, we're touching people not skin to skin, but uh, with our gloves on and all that. But it's still important uh, to get close to them and to uh, give them some sort of sense uh, that you are connected. The people that are the most likely to be judged as outstanding or most likely to be fond, fondly remembered 
and to be judged as shining examples are usually judged highly by how they made people feel after they were with them. There are some people you just look forward to being around because you feel better just for having spent time with them. They energize you. And so if you expend some positive energy, it elevates others' perceptions of you. You put some energy into all of your discussions with them and your interaction with them. You act excited, optimistic, and joyful. And if that's involved in the encounter, the whole encounter will flow more smoothly. And in this instance, if that doesn't come naturally to you, uh, the phrase fake it until you make it actually applies as dave mentioned smiling and acting happy not only enhances the relationship between you and the patient it actually makes your happy hormones increase your oxytocin goes up and just acting happy and smiling causes internal changes in you and actually makes you happier so faking it actually makes it real yeah, um, two quick stories, both uh, personal stories. I just had a nurse manager tell me a great story recently when she she went to the Cleveland Clinic, and she had never been to the Cleveland Clinic. And if you've ever been there, it's 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 a city in 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 and of itself. It's it's enormous with multiple multiple buildings. So they found the first place they could to park. She was going there for a kind of a uh, a difficult problem that couldn't be taken care of locally so she was very anxious and so she and her husband pulled into the parking lot and they walked out and were looking around and saw an employee and they said hey where's building c and the employee smiled at them and said come on i'll take you there and literally block walked them two blocks away to the appropriate building and up to the elevator and said take it up to the fourth floor get off and you'll see the desk there and and they'll be able to help you from there i mean the, the manager profusely thanked the individual, but I, I'm sure that just their smiles on their face and the happiness was reward enough for the person who took them there. But, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing that somebody would go two blocks to take them uh, to another place. I mean, normally people, it's hard to get people to point to a place. And then uh, the reverse of that story is that we, we have a buddy who basically uh, was an ER physician who who went to an emergency department and told them that he was having chest pain. And at one point, the person who was checking him in rolled their eyes when he um, uh, didn't want to go over to x-ray to get x-ray because he'd had a prior cardiac arrest. And the eye roll was was enough to basically uh, probably raise his uh, stress hormone levels uh, about five times. So, I mean, which story do you want to be? Do you want to be the person who's remembered and and that story is recounted over and over again, who was wonderful and walked them where where they needed to be? Or do you want to be the individual that is the story over and over again that you, you you rolled your eyes in a time of horrible stress? I think it's important also to address, you know, kind of the elephant in the room about all this. And that is that there are truly inflammatory kind of fighting words uh, that healthcare workers stridently resist, and that is customer service. In service industries, the concept of efforts to ensure satisfaction are called customer service. A lot of studies and the thinking about this Uh, attempt to improve the perception of the customer comes from other industries but some doctors yell they're not customers they're patients 
And the fact that this is a consumer-aware society and that patients consider them customers is completely lost on these people. If the patient thinks they're a customer and the doctor doesn't, then this disconnect sets up the relationship for a potentially unfortunate misunderstanding. There's an expectation on the part of the patient of which the doctor is completely unaware, and when that expectation isn't met, the patient has a negative perception of the visit, and the doctor has no idea why. Dave and I contend that if you go in thinking about patient satisfaction from the perspective of customer service, that you should meet and hopefully even exceed the expectations people have, it'll guarantee a higher level of satisfaction on the part of the patient, but this concept's essential to how we want the teams we are in to behave. Our experience is that positive, friendly, responsive, and joyful teams just work better. Uh, they are perceived as competent, caring, and the patients send back great patient satisfaction surveys. And you get more positive re reactions from people at respects when you're recognized. They, you get thanked. Important to me, and it should be important to everyone, is that this attitude makes me proud to do what it is that we do. It gives me a sense of inner accomplishment and it can prevent the gradual negativity which leads to compassion fatigue. That hardened feeling just get me through the shift. It basically prevents burnout. Yeah, I, you know, I, I absolutely agree. I think that uh, the reason that you and I are this many years in and still enjoy the, the experience of interacting with people is because that's how we've tried to live our lives. I mean, as I think I've said before, you know, uh, just like an alcoholic is a uh, never free of disease, he's in recovery. Um, uh, I've, I've often said that I'm an asshole in recovery, and a lot of times I, I, I don't walk the walk, but I certainly try to do it, and I think that's extended my career a, a great deal because I at least try to do the right thing every day. There's sometimes that somebody with a personality disorder or something is going to push you to the point where you don't do what you wish you would do and you go home uh, with some regrets of, of how you might have behaved. But, you know, I think, you know, if the team is trying to do this together, I, I think there's less chance that you'll become reactive. I think that we can help each other deliver great patient care, which I think absolutely has to include a level of treating them humanely as, as we would want to be treated in our own lives. One of the kind of mottos that I have told people about uh, over time is because perception is reality, I tell people that I try to practice great scientific medicine and try to do great procedure uh, well to impress other doctors because the patient doesn't know that what I'm doing is great or it isn't. And so I say that I try to practice medicine well to impress doctors, but I try to treat the patient well as a person, and that's what makes them appreciate me as a person. And so I think these are just the basis of good patient satisfaction, good customer service, and Dave, if you have any other things to add, uh, well, I think we can uh, tie this all together and uh, end this episode. Well, let's uh, go out, do good work, and have some fun. 
Thank you. Thank you.